Have you ever searched online for financial advice? It may surprise you, but not everything you see or hear on the internet is true. Today on the Mach 1 Market Moment, we're rating some of the advice thousands of people are listening to every day. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is episode 111. Woohoo! And we have our partner here, Mr. Lee Mackey, and our youngest and brightest advisor, Eli Freeman. 111 episodes. 111. <laughs> Boom. Today, we wanted to have a little fun. Our marketing team found some clips on TikTok. We're not talking about a clock. This is TikTok, the app. If you don't know what that is, you're in good company. If you were searching for financial advice, you might find some of these. So we're going to list them, and then we're going to tell you if they're accurate or not from our point of view. All right. Lee, Lee's all up into this uh, TikTok stuff. I, I personally have never done a TikTok, whatever that is. I've done a TikTok but not a TikTok. I like Tic Tacs. You like Tic Tacs? I do. Eli, you know what Tic Tac is? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Our marketing team has got some of these TikTok, TikToks, and now we're going to listen to them, and then we'll give you our opinion on them. All right. We're ready for the first one. If you trade your time for money, you're never going to make it. And if all you do is accumulate assets, you're never going to grow them big enough. You have to figure out how to residualize your money. You get your money working for you and it has to create meaning for you, right? Like a 401k, an IRA doesn't produce money for you today that benefit you. So you look for investments that actually give you something that means something today. You can grow more dynamically and velocitize that. So on this one, I love the term residualize your money. I, li I like the word velocitize. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mike... Um, I'm not exactly sure what he means by residualize, but d do I think, you know, having some residual form of income is important? Sure. Um, but, you know, one of the things that he said towards the end, or he made reference to assets that are in a 401k or an IRA, you know, are not necessarily working for you. Um, not sure what he means by that. Maybe he's saying that, you know, if you're younger than 59 and a half, you know, they're not really your assets or you can't really access them. Um, you know, I would probably say that I think that having assets or investments that have some sort of residual income or residual payment are important, but I don't think that e that negates or takes away from 401ks, IRAs, or any other investment for that matter mm -hmm. if, if i was to make a guess he's probably pitching some sort of real estate class or, or something that's that's pitching towards real estate meaning that it's going to have residual income and that the last word he used I, I find it kind of humorous velocitize your income and i i guess he's he's just meaning taking on more debt and meaning good debt 
that makes you money and residualizes your income would be the best guess that I could I could have just from that short clip. And, and I would I would I would agree with that. And you know, one of the things and you know, we're kind of having fun with this podcast, but you know, one of the downsides to putting short videos out on the internet for people to see is you don't necessarily know the context. Um, you know, you can only do so much in one or two or three minutes. Um, and you don't know your audience. You know, somebody might take that and be very literal and say, you know what? So-and-so said that I do not need a 401k plan or an IRA. And that's probably not what he's saying at all. But again, context is very important. I think he's using 50 cent words to describe a five cent concept. If, if you wrap this thing up, if all you're going to do is put money in your shoebox, you're never going to accumulate enough to live on in retirement. You're going to have to put that money to work. Whether you use the words residualize, velocitize, or whateverize, you, you got to put the money to work. That's basically what he's saying. So when they're using 50-cent words to describe a five-cent concept, you need to flip it to the next TikTok tick or tick, however we call these things. All right, next one up. Isn't it better to be debt free? Why would I want to take on debt and owe people money? Because going through life without ever using debt is like trying to build a house without ever using a hammer. People say, well, but debt's bad. Debt hurts people. Well, hammers are bad. Hammers hurt people. Yeah, but hammers are also good and you, they're helpful and you use them to build things. Yeah, but debt's also good. And you use it to build wealth, right? Exactly. Debt is just a tool. You can kill somebody with a tool or you can build something with a tool. That's all debt is, right? Most people use it for harm, so it gets a reputation for harm. But honestly, let's look at inflation. Inflation's basically about 10% this last year. What are you gonna do with your money to make 10%? There's really no safe investment you can go out there and make and get 10%. But if you use debt to create leverage, let's say you have $200 and you use that to be able to borrow another $800 and buy a $1,000 asset, and that asset goes up 5%, goes up 50 bucks, but you only put in 200, so you actually made 25%. Debt is how you stay ahead of inflation. Debt. Man, we're a smart investor pro with Dave Ramsey. I'm sure Dave was sitting here at the table today. He'd probably throw up listening to this debt one. So, Lee, Eli, debt. Debt's good, especially during the inflation period. What do you think? There, There is a time and place where debt could be good. And it's, it's very individualized. Individualized, residualized, and voluptimized. <laughs> and Mike, I, I know we, we, we do subscribe to, to Dave Ramsey, where pay off your debts, especially in, in, in those instances, we're talking about credit card debts. We're talking about car loans. Those, those are what I would consider bad debt, and I think both of you would, you would agree. Car loans, credit card debt, anything that is just on something that's not going to make money, I would consider that bad debt. There is a place for debt good debt. Now, what do I mean by good debt? Well, if you if you actually can run all the analysis on a property and know that it's going to cash flow over what your your note is, then maybe it makes sense to do some real estate investing if you're running all of the analysis and making a, a wise decision. So, that's probably the argument that he's making on this TikTok is there is a place for good debt. Now, he's not he's not saying go out and buy a car and and that debt is going to make you money. That's not what he's talking about at all. Do you agree, Lee? I mean, I do, um, for the most part. I, I know that I do agree with some of the things he said in that debt is a four-letter word to many. It is a four-letter word. Some people view it as a bad word. Um, and a lot of debt is bad. 
but I think that a lot of other things are bad. Um, you know, we, we hear the terms good debt, bad debt. Mike, you've been an expert in this field, you know, with counseling, with financial peace and the Dave Ramsey programs. Um, <clears throat> I think what this gentleman is referring to is I think he, he, he mentions bad debt. There are, I mean, you can use debt in a bad way. I think the, the thing that he is coming across is, and what he's trying to say is, you know, there are some good uses for that. I don't think he's out there saying, hey, go take out a home equity line and put it in the stock market. You know, I, I don't think he's saying that. I, I, I didn't hear him talking about going out and leveraging credit cards to go on vacations. Um, and, and so I think he's he's trying to, you know, be pretty narrow here. I, I'm interested in what you'd have to say, Mike, about well, this. Well, it's very interesting. He tells you the debt's like a hammer. You build a house. and so. But the only thing he doesn't talk about is the risk with debt. I mean, if you've got debt and you lose your job, you're losing everything. Now, if you're guaranteed income and you got debt, nah, not a big deal. So he misses a huge component about the risk. And when I talk to people that have debt, none of them that I know of are tickled to debt like, oh, man, I got thousands of dollars in debt. The ones that are out of debt, man, they sleep better at night. Everything seems to be nicer. I mean, most of us have a goal of being debt-free, and that's what we recommend when you get into retirement. So uh, I don't buy his analogy. Uh, is giving a mortgage bad? Not if you want a house, and it usually appreciates. But if you lose your job, you're going to lose your house. And if you had a paid-for house, you wouldn't. So you got to you got to weigh that with the risk. Um, I I don't subscribe to the good debt bad debt. Less bad debt would be what I personally hate debt. There's nothing you can do. I can't think of a thing that would cause me to go into debt anymore. Period. Next talk tick tick tock. I don't own a debit card. I've never owned one. I've never allowed my three sons to possess one. Certainly and truly the worst financial tool ever given to the American consumer. So a long time ago, I asked myself a simple question. How would I remove 99.9% .9 of my personal liability like that? So I use the safest form of payment that exists on the face of the earth, and that is a credit card. Credit card. Not debit credit, but credit card. Every day of my life, I spend their money. I don't spend my money. My money sits in a money market account, it earns interest. If I pay the bill in full or part of the bill, my credit score goes up. So I'm building credit while I'm using that credit card. If tomorrow someone gets my card number and charges $1 million on my credit card by federal law, my liability is zero. I have no liability. Debit card versus credit card. Again, if, if Dave Ramsey were sitting here, he'd throw up on the credit card. All he uses is debit cards. If you listen to another podcast, people, they hate debit cards because of this liability issue. Lee, where do you stand on debit versus credit? You know, his analogy was very interesting. I, I've heard the liability issue. Um, his comment that, He's using somebody else's money. He's paying it off in full every month. And the money that he has is earning a little bit of interest in the bank. I mean, it's, it's it, unless you have, you know, just millions and millions of dollars in your checking account or money market account, it's not much. You know, is his, is his argument false? No. Is it practical? 
probably not either. The problem is most people do not pay their credit cards off every month. And the stats on that is anywhere between 75 and 85% of the people that have a credit card do not pay it off every single month. Yes. And, you know, credit card companies, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, you know, they love it when somebody misses their, you know, they don't pay it off in full every month because the interest immediately begins to kick in. And, um, you know, some people may look at that and think, you know, I, hey, I just got a letter in the mail that American Express has raised my credit limit. Well, okay, that's that can be good and that can be very bad. But, you know, is what he's saying false? No. Is it practical for, for the majority of Americans? It is not. He's using credit cards as a payment tool. That's all he's using it for. And he's obviously has the wherewithal to pay it off each month. Most Americans don't. And when they don't, the interest rates anywhere between, you know, 16 to 20 something percent. And if, if you're not careful, if, if you know people that have credit cards and use them, how often do they look at every charge each month? They will sneak in charges on you, this fee on that, fee on that. And if you, if you just pay it, well, they, they get the extra money. I've done the stats on it. And they make a gazillion dollars every year on nothing but interest. You ran the stats on a gazillion dollars, Mike? Gazillion with a G. Man. <laughs> like TikTok with a T. You know, personally, I use a credit card to pay for most all of my monthly expenses. But when the bill comes in, I pay it off. I do so for either points or miles or whatever. But, again, can everybody do that? No. And you take that same, but you, you look at the stats on the credit card company. They know that 20% are going to pay it off, but they're making a killing on the rest of the people that are not paying it off. And when they have people like this saying, yeah, use your credit card. Yeah, I'll use my credit card. And then you can't pay it off. And they go, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, you thought you were going to get points, but now you're paying 20% interest. So, you, like all of these we've talked about today, there's an ounce of truth in there, but you really got to flesh it out and see if it works for you. Next, Tiki Talk. The biggest lie that we are all taught about money is we should put it in a 401k and max it out as soon as possible. You see, when you put your money in a 401k, you give up control of it when it's worth the most. Because of inflation, your money is worth less tomorrow, the day after, let alone when you're 59 and a half. But we're told it's great because we defer our taxes. Problem is, taxes don't go down, they go up. So, are they gonna be more in the future or less when you end up paying them? Also, your money is invested in the market when you have it in a 401k. Therefore, you should be getting taxed at capital gains rates. But with a 401k, when you take the money out, you're taxed at earned income rates, which is higher. A 401k also offers no protection. If the market drops, so does your money. So you give up control and access to your money when it's worth the most to pay more taxes in the future and be taxed at higher rates. The whole time, you've got no insurance on your money. To learn a better way, follow me. 401ks, bad way to do your money. Lee, didn't we read a stat recently that the most millionaires, the way they make become a millionaire is through? Tax-deferred investing, like 401ks and IRAs. Not according yes. to this cat. You know, you know I, I, we could take each of his bullet <laughs> points and, and dissect them and, and, and you know, rip them apart. But one of the, you know, the control, 
I mean, that's one reason why we move 401k money when somebody leaves a company into an IRA. I get that. Um, well, let's ask about control. It's in the 401k. Do you have control of it? Yes. Can you change your investments? Yes. Can you change how much you put in there? Sure. So you do have control. Yeah. Within the availability of the options you have there. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and, and another one he talked about, you know, the, the taxes are going up. Well, one way to combat that or address that issue is a Roth 401k. You know, many plans allow tax-deferred traditional 401k contributions. Many others now are allowing employees to, to use the, the Roth option, which pay the tax now, and you don't have to pay the tax, theoretically, when income rates go higher or so forth. Ever again, and nor do your heirs. Eli, did you notice there's one big glaring omission this guy didn't include in this? You know what it was? What's that, Mike? The match. The free money match. I mean, if your employer, 3%, 5%, whatever it is, you don't get that in an IRA. You get it only through the 401k. It's free, literally free money. He didn't mention that. I wonder why. We have you more talk ticks, ticky, tic tacs. One more. What's up, future rich friends? Let's talk about how you can grow your wealth. Spoiler alert, it's not buying meme stocks or getting crypto picks off of TikTok. You need to invest in a diversified portfolio. And listen, I get it. You're probably thinking one of two things. What is a diversified portfolio? What do I invest in? A diversified portfolio is like eating a charcuterie board instead of an entire wheel of brie. You want different investments that will help balance each other out. I like ETFs and mutual funds. Um, a little humor, but some pretty good advice. I got a question though. What's a security board or whatever she called that thing? <laughs> It's a it's a cheese board. Ah. A fancy cheese board. Oh, see they using those fifty cent words for a five cent concept. Cheese board. I would have got that. Correct. But in all seriousness, I think that we could agree with ninety nine percent of what she's talking about as far as you do need a diversified portfolio. So what does that really mean? Put it in layman's terms. Spread your risk out. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's correct. You know, we we use it Dave Ramsey uses this, it's kinda like manure. I grew up on a dairy farm. And after every time we got through milking the cows, we had a lot of manure and we piled it up. Well, guess what grows in a pile of manure? Nothing. But you take that pile of manure and you spread it on the field, guess what? You got a crop. So don't leave it in one spot. You spread it out. There's your analogy for the day. Everybody can get diversified portfolio. You know, hey, and I even liked her comment about using ETFs. You know, we do the same thing in some of our portfolios. They're an inexpensive way and a very easy way for clients to diversify. And from the TikTok, you can see that she's obviously speaking to new investors, young investors. And in that demographic, I think that that's a great way to get started. What's ETFs. An ET what's an ETF? Exchange Traded Fund. And the reason we'd use those versus a mutual fund or something is why? Low cost. Low cost and tax efficient. The concept, good. Again, like all of these, there's an ounce of truth in each one of them. But how you apply it to your life, it may not fit your life. So that's why you need a fiduciary advisor, like one of the five of us here, to kind of figure out who you are and then see what best fits in your life. Uh, and it may be all of these or it could be none of these. Uh, but just don't take your advice from 
tic-tac, tic-tock, whatever these things are called. You can tell I use them a lot. So we like to end all of our podcasts with a thought of the day. Today's is hear all advice, listen to good advice, and heed wise counsel. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We look forward to having you next week on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit mach1financial.com disclosures.